You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. I'm Jim Friend. Well, today we have a very special episode featuring one of the new models in Catholic education. You see, when I'm not advancing our church on this podcast, I'm doing so as the Chief Development Officer for the Faith in the Future Foundation, which serves in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Back in 2012, the Archdiocese had established a Blue Ribbon Commission to determine the direction of its Catholic schools. That commission recommended the closure of four Catholic high schools, which was in response to millions of dollars of projected deficits and years of declining enrollment. A group of concerned individuals came together with a vision to manage these schools with a different approach that included a stronger focus on enrollment, development, and academic excellence. Thus was birthed the Faith in the Future Foundation, signing a historic management agreement with the Archdiocese, granting oversight of 17 Archdiocesan high schools and four schools of special education. Why was it historic? Well, never before had an Archdiocese signed over management control of their school system to an outside organization. And what was the catch? Faith in the Future gets management control if they underwrite any system-wide deficits. Well, it's five years later, and there are no deficits, only operational surpluses that the foundation is reinvesting back into the school system. The foundation's role has been to create partnerships, find strong leaders, and strengthen and grow Catholic education at these schools. In many ways, that partnership has benefited all of the schools K-12 in the Archdiocese. So just to set the table for today's presentation, I want to take you back to 2012, when it was announced that the four schools would stay open. I think you'll get a sense of the excitement by listening to this short news clip. Today, I want to announce that all four of these high schools will remain open. The Archdiocese's announcement drew cheers of joy from Bonner Prendy students as they learned their school, along with the three others slated for closure, would stay open. After weeks of waiting and furiously fundraising, they celebrated learning their prayers had been answered. Immediately, plans for next year's registration kicked into high gear. We couldn't do anything until 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon. And when that happened, we're ready to blitz. We are anticipating a large enrollment. Um, we have an unbelievable outpouring. So we printed the application off and I filled it out and here I am. Frances Hart's family has a history here and her 8th grade daughter couldn't imagine starting high school anywhere else. She just was not very happy in January. She visited other schools and she just wanted to wait. So she got her dream come true. I recorded this presentation at the fifth anniversary celebration of our foundation, which was held this week at the site of Bonner Prendy Catholic High School in Drexel Hill, one of the schools you just heard from that was slated to close five years ago. If you're not familiar with our story, and even if you are, I think you'll enjoy hearing the different perspectives on our progress. This presentation was recorded on Monday, September 18th, 2017. I hope you enjoy it. Well, welcome. On behalf of the Board of Directors of the Faith in the Future Foundation, it's my privilege to welcome you to the fifth anniversary celebration of the founding of our organization. As we gather together tonight, we celebrate the contributions made by our partners, donors, faculty, staff, the boards of our schools, the alumni of our high schools, our historic partnership with the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, 
But most importantly, we come together tonight to celebrate the nearly 13,000 high school students and the students in our four schools of special education. Tonight, we welcome our partners, everyone in this room who has dedicated their time, talent, and resources to the success of Catholic education. In a special way, we welcome Bishop Fitzgerald, our Faith in the Future board members, the members of the boards of directors of our high schools, Rocky and Barbara Martino, who are the chairpersons of the Faith in the Future Aquinas Society, the Secretariat for Catholic Education, and we welcome the presidents and the principals and the staff and faculty of our 17 high schools and our four schools of special ed. In a special way, we'd like to welcome Amy Holtzman, the executive director of the McGuire Foundation, Bill O'Brien, the executive director of Blocks, Mark Leeson, the executive director of the Philadelphia School Partnership, Rita Schwartz, president of the Association of Catholic Teachers, Sean McAleer from the PA Catholic Conference, Katie Slattery from the Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Program, Pat Canning and the McCluskey family from the Archdiocesan Educational Fund, Judy Neal from the Foundation for Catholic Education, and Sister Mary Dacey from the Healy Education Foundation. We have a lot of partners. And of course, I want to mention some local partners who couldn't make it. The Connolly Foundation, the Neubauer Family Foundation, uh, the Independence Mission Schools, and the Halley Foundation. So five years ago, four archdiocesan high schools were scheduled to close, including the one that we're sitting in here tonight. It was a time that ignited the laity for Catholic education in a way that had not been experienced in our lifetime. Celebrating our five-year anniversary tonight would not be appropriate without mentioning the alumni associations of Bonner Prendy High School, St. Hubert High School for Girls, Conwell Egan Catholic High School, and West Catholic High School, all four schools that are alive today and thriving thanks to the work of our alumni and our presidents. Let's hear it for them. Tonight we also celebrate our partner organizations that were born out of that time period, like the Independence Mission Schools, the members of the Executive Board for Elementary Education, the Catholic Education Foundation, and others who have taken up the challenge with us not to preserve Catholic education, but to enhance and engrow the opportunities for children. Never has there been a greater need, both in our city and in our country. Over the past five years, Faith in the Future's mission has been to provide a high-quality Catholic education to every family that desires it. We have raised funds, formed new partnerships, and recruited and developed some incredible talent in order to create stronger and more competitive 21st century schools. Today, our speakers will remind us of why our schools are individually excellent, but better together, as we form saints in this life and for the next. And now it's my pleasure to honor and to welcome the president of Bonner Prendy High School, Dr. John Cook. Please welcome John. Good evening. Thanks. Thank you, Jim. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. As Jim mentioned, my name is Dr. John Cook, and I have the pleasure, privilege, and honor of serving as president of Monsignor Bonner and Archbishop Prendergast Catholic High School. And on behalf of the Bonner and Prendy Board of Directors, the faculty, staff, students, and families, welcome to our school. The tone in this room was quite different from what it is today. As Jim mentioned in his comments, five years ago, we were one of the four schools that was slated to close down upon recommendation of the Blue Ribbon Panel. Fortunately, that decision was revisited, and because of that, over the past five years, we have reinvented ourselves as Bonner and Prendy 
and are better suited to serve our students and the community. Today, we have a member, we have a 17-member board of directors that has assisted me and my predecessor, Father Jim Olson, to map the future for Bonner and Prendy. And with their assistance of the board, with the assistance of the board in the last five years, we have done a lot. We have raised and invested $1.5 million in the capital projects, including the new Dominic Federico Gymnasium, the McDonald Melton Guidance Center, and the Anthony F. Federico Class of 1969 Auditorium, which you are seated in now today, as well as many other projects throughout campus. We have created and grew unique college partnerships, a, a unique college partnership model with six local universities and colleges to provide higher education classes on our campus taught by college instructors at $300 a course. We were one of the first in the Archdiocese to become completely wireless with smart boards in every classroom and every student receiving a personal electronic device to use in the classroom. In response to the growing concern from our constituency, we created a model where all fees are built into the tuition costs, eliminating expenses associated with playing sports, attending dances, to receive a yearbook, and participate in other activities. The reason for this was twofold. Number one, to assist families in being able to better budget their money for tuition. And number two, to increase engagement opportunities for our student body. The results in just one year have been very encouraging. Attendance at our fall dance quadrupled. Rosters on school sports have grown. And attendance at school plays and games are higher than it has been in years. Since earning the right to stay open five years ago, over 1,000 students, which earned over $125 million in scholarships and grants, to schools ranging from the Ivy League to trade schools. I'm also encouraged to see many of our students being first-generation college students. And just last year, we instituted the Christian Service Project, where our students complete 10 hours of community service, five hours on campus and five hours off campus. Our students went above and beyond in the first year and completed close to 20,000 hours of hands-on community service. We have a storied tradition of two schools merged into one here at Bonaprendi. I like to say we're two traditions in one school. We maintain the colors, mascots, and many traditions of the once Monsignor Bonner Catholic High School for boys and Archbishop Prendergast Catholic High School for girls. We are a family of achievers and believers, and I think that motto is what drew me to this position the most. And it is what I experience each and every day working with the alumni and students of Bonner and Prendy. I myself am a product of the Archdiocesan system. I attended Our Lady of Calvary Grade School in, the Northeast, Philadelphia, in Northeast Philadelphia, I'm a 1991 graduate of Archbishop Ryan High School. Upon graduation from Millersville University with a bachelor's degree in elementary education, I taught seventh and eighth grade at Christ the King Elementary School in the Northeast, where I was also the athletic director and a coach. Eventually, I moved into higher education, earning a master's degree at Bowling Green State University in Ohio in college student personnel, and worked in student affairs at Drexel University in a variety of roles for 12 years before coming here to Bonner and Prendy. Although I loved working in higher education, especially at Drexel, I felt that I could be more impactful if I had the opportunity to work in a high school. Through my experiences, knowledge, and skills I gained through my work in higher education and as a member of Archbishop Ryan's President Advisory Board, I knew when the position to open here at Bonner Prendy is what I wanted to do. Because I wanted to help students prepare, uh, prepare, I wanted to help prepare high school students for the post-secondary education world. As president, I can personally see the results of the money we raise, get to personally know our students to help them go to the college they want to go to, and see the impact of creating educational environments for success grounded in the teachings and values of the Catholic Church. There's an entrepreneurial spirit here at Bonner Prendy, and we are truly at the crossroad 
with our students coming from the city and the suburbs. I believe those who attend Bonner and Prenti will be better prepared to serve our society because of the experiences that they will have here at this school. With that, it is my pleasure now to introduce to you one of those students who sat in this room five years ago when those announcements were made. Madeline Serpansky is an Archbishop Prendergast graduate from the class of 2001, 2012. Sorry, Madeline, you're not that old. Sorry. <laughs> Since then, Madeline graduated from a five-year program in four years from Drexel University, attended SAP's Professional Training Academy, and is now an accountant executive at SAP Arabia. We're, we've invited Madeline here today to share her story with you and the impact her experience at Bonner Prendy had. So please give a warm welcome to Madeline Serpansky. Thank you very much, Dr. Cook. Um, before I get started, I just want to share with all of you how special it is for me to be standing here in front of you on this stage today. Um, to give you an idea of how special, I'd like to tell a story. Um, I was 17 years old on my way to a normal rushing to um, my homeroom, my senior year. Um, I had no idea that today would be the day that the rumors would be confirmed and we'd be told that our schools would be closing. Going to school that day was very normal. Leaving school that day and for the six weeks to follow was not. Uh, I was constantly thinking, um, tons of thoughts going around. Immediately, I actually thought of my mom who is a graduate of Prendy 86 and her four older sisters who just two months prior were singing the alma mater at uh, our family Thanksgiving tradition as always. And I couldn't help but think, you know, how are they going to survive the news of this? And then I thought of my younger sister, Alex, who was a sophomore at the time. Um, she was able to begin her high school career here and begin to develop herself, but how is she going to survive transitioning now to a new school and not being able to fulfill herself here. And then I thought of my youngest sister, who was in eighth grade at the time, preparing to begin her freshman year here. And how would all of the students who never had the chance to understand what Bonner Apprendi was, how are they going to survive and develop themselves? And when we think about it, you know, the, the truth is we didn't survive. What we did as a community throughout all the schools is we stood together, we stood up, and we put up a fight. So we didn't survive, but we ended up truly thriving. How it's so special for me to be standing here today is um, the last time I was actually standing on this stage, it looked very different, but the last time I was standing here was the day that they made the announcement that our school, the schools were saved. Um, I'm sure you're all familiar with that photo that was in the newspaper of everyone in the auditorium cheering and crying and excited. Um, it was a really special opportunity for me to get to be on stage and witness that, and to be here again today is very special, so thank you. Um, today I was asked to be here to share my story, which immediately got me to think, you know, so what is my story? Um, it brought me back to a very important time in my life when I was a freshman at Drexel. Um, I sat down with my college advisor and we were doing some role play for uh, mock job interviews. So she comes in, she sits down, and... First job question, so tell me about yourself. Immediately, I uh, recited my prepared answer of, well, I was student body vice president, captain of volleyball and lacrosse teams in the theater, honor student, when she cut the role play, cut me off, and said, you know, Madeline, um, who you are is not what you do. You know, it could have been a very simple reassess an answer, give something back. 
For me as an 18-year-old, it was a little heavier than that. It felt almost like an identity crisis. And what I realized was I was identifying myself as the things that I did. So I tried to reshape that and understand, but in every version of my story describing who I was, there wasn't one version where I couldn't include very two very important pieces of myself that were fostered here in high school. Those two pieces are you can do anything and you'll never have to do it alone. So I was blessed to have two parents who always encouraged me from my earliest memories of you can do anything, you can be anyone. Um, and when I was a child, that meant using my imagination and playing dress up. As an adolescent, it meant thinking about the possibilities of the world. Um, and then as a teenager, well, that meant one more thing I could disagree with my parents on and challenge them. So lucky for me, it lined up well with when I was beginning high school. So I was starting high school in a place where you can do anything and be anyone you want to be was fostered here every single day. An opportunity was in every stretch of the hallways. The teachers really encouraged and motivated the students to find their own path and to chase it with everything that they had. The coaches put into practice every day that hard work beats talent. And the very passionate counselors, directors, and instructors were able to teach everyone individuality and the importance of being creative. So what I learned in that was it wasn't my list of activities or what I was involved in, but it was those fundamentals that would ultimately change my life forever. The second point is you never have to do anything alone. I think it's no secret that our community is definitely a force to be reckoned with, and um, the most obvious and grand example of that is why we're here today celebrating the saving of the schools. Aside from that, um, I think it's very important to remember all of the smaller, less obvious, but equally important and amazing things that are happening every day in the community. Um, just as an example of that, I'd like to go back to my senior year. Um, after the school was saved, very joyous, um, preparing for an important time of my life, spring of the senior year, um, my family was in a tough place and we were struggling to make that stretch for our final tuition. Um, was uncertain of how I was going to be able to walk in graduation, if I was going to be able to attend the prom, get my transcript sent to Drexel University where I was hoping to attend. And it was one day when a letter came in the mail from a donor that I was a recipient of a scholarship. Um, it was not only the scholarship that allowed me to do all of that, but it was one of the scholarships that really changed the lives of everyone in my family and ultimately was able to preserve the faith in my future. So my story, uh, the narrative constructed of events in my life is really a product of two things. Uh, my Catholic education was able to offer me endless opportunities and it was by the generosity of amazing people like you that I was able to accept that offering and carry what I learned throughout the rest of my life. So thank you. Thank you, Madeline. Thank you, Dr. Cook. You remind us what is uh, excellent about our schools and what's special. We're in a, um, uh, an auditorium. We're in a, a school that has an Augustinian charism. And St. Augustine said that our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And I think tonight, as we think about the spirit of Catholic education, a little bit of that restless heart 
has been prevalent in the last five years. It's been extremely prevalent uh, in the next person that I'm going to introduce you to today, and that is one of the authors of the management agreement of the Faith in the Future Foundation and between the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, a man who's been at the heart of Faith in the Future since its founding, and the reason why so many of you, quite honestly, may be in the room today. It's my pleasure to introduce our founding chairman, Mr. Ed Hanley. Thanks, Jim. Um, five years, uh, a long time. Someone asked me this evening, how long have you been involved with this? I said, five years, four days, 12 hours, and <laughs> And I've enjoyed every minute of it. Um, seriously, um, we have accomplished a great deal over the last five years. Um, yes, four schools were not closed, and those schools are succeeding today. But I think more importantly, um, we have a school system of 17 schools and four schools of special ed today that are on um, relatively firm financial footing. I always, I'm an accountant, so I always say relatively. Relatively firm financial footing. Um, we have a population of students that is largely stabilized, although we have not yet cracked the code on how we begin to grow it, but are working hard to do so. Um, we have and are in the process of putting up um, boards at our individual schools that are themselves strong and challenged to take real responsibility for the future of their institutions, much more so than has ever been true in the past. And for many of you, you've heard me say, I think ultimately that will be the most important thing we have done as an organization is to ensure that those boards are strong, to provide them with support and information and data that will help them do their jobs, uh, but to have them take real ownership for what happens in their institutions. And I can tell you those boards are being staffed with some really terrific people. And yes, we've made investments. Um, we've made investments in technology. We've made investments thanks to many of our partners in scholarship and educational programming. But as fulfilling, I think, as we can all say the last five years were, I think the more challenging five years are ahead of us. It is very clear that, um, one, we are a tuition-based system. And we've recently done some strategy work that I'm sure all of you will hear more about as we go forward that has really sharpened our focus around three critical issues. The first is academic excellence. We need, as a system and each of our individual schools need, to embrace the notion of academic excellence and constantly be striving to create a learning environment that is truly 21st century. That's what our parents are demanding, and let's face it, they are paying a significant amount of money um, to have that delivered for their students and their children. So that's number one. Number two is financial stability and affordability. We need to continue to work hard, both through effective expense management, but also through effective financial aid support to drive the net cost of attendance of our schools to a level where parents can afford them. In the strategy work that we've done, in the interviewing that we've done, the focus groups, academic excellence is one, affordability is number two, and they're very closely linked. And third is enrollment. We do believe we have the opportunity to begin to grow enrollment in this system because what we are offering 
in a Catholic faith-based environment with strong academics is in great demand. But those three elements, academic excellence, financial stability and affordability, and enrollment are so intricately linked that that is where our focus will be now as we go forward. People often ask me what's the most fulfilling thing that uh, we've done as Faith in the Future and, and the Office of Catholic Education together. And I never hesitate in how I answer them. But first I'm going to take a poll. How many of you in this room have begun your involvement with one of our schools, one of our boards, Faith in the Future, in the last four to five years? A lot of hands. That's the most fulfilling thing. The reinvigoration of Catholic education in this city, in this archdiocese, is a result of people like you who have gotten involved, recognizing that you have time, talent, and treasure that can be brought to bear for the benefit of our schools. And if we had the elementary schools represented here this evening, you would see even more hands in the air. And so while the environment's not getting any easier, the challenges continue to be real, we should all have confidence that because of people like all of us and increasing numbers of people like us, we can make a difference and we can sustain what so many of us benefited from and what you heard about so eloquently a minute ago. So thank you very much for participating tonight. Thank you very much for your support of our schools and for Faith in the Future. And I look forward to the next five years. About three years ago, I was brought on board as the Chief Development Officer for the Faith in the Future Foundation. And one of the things that impressed me the most when I first came uh, to work in the office was the fact that, that I was only the third employee of the foundation, that all that had been accomplished in the first couple of years was done with a CEO and a, and a business manager. Uh, and so over the last three years, working with Casey Carter has been a real privilege and an honor and certainly made me and stretched me in ways that were uncomfortable in a, in a good way uh, and, and comfortable and grow, I've grown personally, I think, and, and professionally from the experience. And so. Now, without further ado, I'd like to introduce our CEO, Casey Carter. Well, a real hearty and heartfelt welcome uh, to you all. It is just thrilling uh, to see you. When we were doing this five years ago, you could fit us all in a phone booth. It's just so exciting to see so many uh, people here and for you to be able with your own ears uh, to hear Madeline's uh, testimony and to see with your own eyes uh, this beautifully uh, refurbished auditorium. And if there's just anything that I can say tonight is if the last five years have been fun for you, just stick around because I think really the best uh, is here to come. And I want to package that and give you some reason uh, for believing uh, in that by building off of one thing that Ed said. Because the fact, the reality that Ed just spoke to, that this challenge is important, but the challenges and the headwinds facing us are very real. That's true. This job is hard if you want to provide a high quality 
values-based Catholic education that is affordable. We have a lot of work to do to make that job easier. But let me tell you why I'm so confident and I want to build off of one thing that Ed said. He's so pleased and so proud of the people like yourself who have been drawn to this work. But so many of you who are here tonight are not just donors to Faith in the Future or to our schools, but you are, as Ed said, board members. And it is exactly what he said. It is in establishing those boards that we believe the most important work to date has been done. And the reason why that's so crucial for you to hear that and really believe that is that our strategy is for more power and more authority to be invested in local level leadership where you are closest to the families, closest to the students, and can understand what are the needs of each local market. So we need that. We need strong boards to support our local level leadership. But what we also believe at Faith in the Future is that what all schools need, no school should have to do on its own. And so we really truly believe in the strategy of schools being individually excellent, but better together. And when schools have shared needs, when schools face similar challenges, even schools that have to compete against each other on the ball field or even compete for students, there are many, many things that they can and should share. And we're getting good at that. And that is then strengthening the school through a network and getting real economies of scale. So what Ed alluded to in this strategy, we have spent a good deal of time and a good deal of money over this last year really trying to understand in a fact-based way what is the actual competitive situation that each of our schools is facing so that the strong boards that you all are a part of can work with your local level leadership and face those challenges. But what we want to do is we want to work with you to men make that job easier. And that is our job. Chris and his entire team at the Office for Catholic Education understand that if we do this job well, we are not here to do this for five years or for 10 years. We are really in this game to build a system to serve generations to come. We can't do it without you. We need your help. So thank you. This is a very real celebration, just as, as Jim said, as one man who sometimes, I can't believe it's five years has gone by when these days last so long doing this work. But thank you to you all. We really believe in moral leaders in the marketplace, and it is through an authentic Catholic education that children are going to learn of the living presence of Christ in their life, and they're going to get the real skills that they need to be moral leaders in the 21st century. So thanks to each of all of you. I would like to have a round of applause for yourselves because we couldn't have gotten here without you. So thank you. And as Ed alluded to, we wouldn't be here at all if it weren't for Archbishop Chaput to have the courage to sign this management agreement and to give us all the opportunity to operate and run these schools in a very different way. And so I'd ask his vicar of education, uh, Bishop Fitzgerald, and my fellow board member, Faith in the Future, to uh, give us a few remarks and a final blessing.
First of all, thank you for your presence tonight and the many, many things that each of you does, each in varied ways to support Catholic education. We're celebrating five years tonight of the Faith and the Future Foundation, but I met uh, a gentleman during the cocktail period who brought me back further in memory to six years ago. I don't think he's still here, but uh, Jack Quinlan, who was the chair of a committee called the Blue Ribbon Commission, which whose mission was to look at Catholic education in the archdiocese, suggest a plan for restructuring and to make recommendations to the archbishop for those changes. That commission recommended the closing of four high schools, among its many other recommendations, and what happened uh, a year later was that individuals came forward to the Archbishop and they said, let us help you try to rescue four schools and more importantly, in my opinion, partner with you to advance Catholic education. In fact, that's exactly what the Faith and the Future Foundation has done. Tonight, we are gathered in a school that not only exists but as you have heard tonight, is growing, is moving forward, and has the possibility of a new future. The goal of Faith in the Future is to do this for our 17 schools if possible, but the word has been used to reinvigorate Catholic education. Faith in the Future has stabilized Catholic education, which is an effete, a, a, a feat in itself. Some of you know who have been involved with education know that before the Blue Ribbon Commission, we had a period of year after year facing the question, how many schools are we going to close this year? The gap has been closed, we've stabilized, and we're positioned to move forward. Quite an accomplishment. I have to personally recognize and thank Ed Hanway for his leadership. Two people particularly were involved in the formation, in my opinion, of Faith in the Future. An archbishop who was willing to take a risk to bring the laity into the tent in a very meaningful and partnered way, and someone who had the initiative, the creativity, and the perseverance to stay with the task, which Ed has certainly done. So tonight, as we look at Madeline, who has made her presentation to us as we look and experience the young people who welcomed us tonight, I think that focuses us all on what we're about. We are about creating a faith-based, value-centered, excellent education for our young people. We live in a society today where I can't think of a greater way to invest in the future. Our country needs values, our church needs leaders, and Catholic education can be, with your help, your support, your energy, the vehicle to do that. So thank you for your investment, thank you for what you will continue to do, and thank you for your encouragement. There is a culture change in Catholic education today in that there are many, many people coming forward on the secondary and on the elementary level that want to help preserve 
grow and support catholic education there's a culture of growth that has been established and an excitement about doing something for the future i can say as a bishop we have annual meetings of all the bishops of the country twice a year many bishops ask me tell me more about what's happening in philadelphia we see creative things in education that we would like to learn more about and perhaps copy ourselves so have no doubt that all of your efforts on many many levels whether they be the office of catholic education service on one of our high school boards contributions to catholic education are all having a great effect so I, as i say many times i do a lot of confirmations in the archdiocese and i say to the kids i say it to you tonight keep up your good work we're very grateful we have much to do but i have a confidence and hope that we're going to do it together as we prepare now to leave i'll just ask the lord's blessing upon all of you for safe travel gratitude for what you do what you have done and what you will do and the lord's blessing for all of you for the schools that you are helping to support and your families heavenly father as we gather tonight we give you thanks for the great progress and the spirit of progress that we all have been involved in in supporting catholic education give us hope for the future give us strength to meet the challenges that are ahead but also give us joy in serving young people and investing in the future through a faith-based, value-centered Catholic education. The peace and the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon all of you and your families and remain with you forever. Amen. Thank you. I want to thank all of our presenters for being on our show this week, and many thanks again to all those who champion Catholic education, both in this region and all over the country. Special thanks to NBC News in Philadelphia for the short news clip you heard earlier in the podcast. For more information about Faith in the Future, please visit their website at faithinthefuture.com. Well, that's our show this week. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Advancing Our Church. If you'd like more information about our show, please visit our website at advancingourchurch.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Advanced Podcast or join our Facebook group. Well, that's it for me. I'm Jim Friend. I hope you all have a fantastic week, everybody. Take care and God bless.